I begin my sermon today, I'd like to offer a piece of clarity that while today's topic has to do with the historical and contemporary religious use of substances to achieve spiritual effects, that nothing in this sermon is meant to be taken as a promotion of substance use. And if you have any questions about substances, I'd encourage you to speak with a physician, psychiatrist, or pharmacist. I also want to highlight that in our faith tradition, we support people on their path towards recovery from addiction to substances because we believe that each person has inherent dignity and worth. So having said that, for as long as humans have lived on this planet, our species has been curious about the culinary, medicinal, cosmetic, and stimulating effects of the many plant species. Early humans soon discovered that fruits which taste sweet are never poisonous, and that certain fungi are edible while others are toxic. They learned that fermented juices, starches, and sugars had an intoxicating effect on anyone who drank it. Archaeological evidence suggests that hunter-gatherers didn't consume any alcohol or other substances, and it wasn't until agricultural societies developed and then the first civilizations that evidence of the use of alcohol and substances emerged. While the advent of stable farming communities allowed plants that had inebriating effects on humans to be grown intentionally, some see the advent of civilizations as contributing to the growth of the use of these inebriants to promote civilization. Since, for example, caffeine makes people more energetic, alcohol disinhibits social contact, and psychedelics encourage inventiveness. Others might say that on the other hand, great civilizations and large settlements of humans create large problems that individual humans find difficult to cope with, like wars, epidemics, wealth inequality, and power imbalances. So people turn to substances to forget about the problems which they are powerless to change. Regardless, while there are many reasons why humans have used and continue to use substances which alter their perceptions, one of the ones which isn't talked about as much is that humans have been and continue to ingest substances in order to have a kind of spiritual experience. Here in this society in which we live, it's considered socially acceptable to consume small amounts of an intoxicating substance like wine for religious purposes. And we live in a society where a denomination like the Native American church has the constitutional right to practice a sacramental ritual using peyote, a small native cactus plant which has psychedelic effects on those who consume it. At the same time, we also live in a society where there's a healthy amount of skepticism about the authenticity of any kind of spiritual insight gained through the use of any sort of substance, since we only really value either unprovoked, spontaneous spiritual insights, or insights gained through the use of reason or the scientific observation of nature. 
What's interesting to see is how other cultures and in other time periods negotiated the use of natural herbs and plants to induce or mediate a religious experience. While ancient Israel isn't usually the first to come to mind on this topic, some researchers from the 20th and 21st centuries have shown otherwise. For example, in 1936, the Polish anthropologist Sula Bennett, who earned her doctorate at Columbia University, gave a lecture in which she shared her research which indicated that the origins of the English word cannabis comes from the ancient Hebrew word kanebosum. The plant, which kanebosum refers to in Hebrew, is named several times in the Old Testament, including in the opening words and reading which we heard this morning. It's usually translated into English as sweet calamus, or sweet-smelling cane. But Bennett said it'd be more accurate to translate it as hemp or cannabis. Bennett's claim wasn't widely accepted in scholarly circles, and her work was disregarded for decades. Then, three years ago, the Israeli media reported that archaeologists had discovered that ancient Israelites burned cannabis during worship as part of their religious rituals. This was discovered at an excavation site in Tel Arad, which is in the Negev Desert and is located 59 miles south of Tel Aviv. There, one can find the remains of a 2,700-year-old Israelite temple, which had initially been rediscovered in the 1960s. According to research published in 2020 in Tel Aviv University's archaeological journal, the archaeologists wrote that they discovered two limestone altars, which had been buried within the shrine in Tel Arad. Due in part to the dry climate and to the burial of the shrine underneath the desert sands, the remains of burnt offerings were preserved on top of these altars. When the archaeologists tested the substances found on the altars, they found that one altar had frankincense on it, while the other altar had cannabis on it. The researchers concluded that cannabis may have been burned on the altar in order to induce a kind of mild high among worshipers who smelled it, who perhaps would have felt a sense of relaxation and joy from the fragrant smoke. While this was the first tangible evidence of psychotropic drugs being used in early Jewish worship, it's not too surprising that cannabis would have been used in this way in worship in that frankincense, which is often mentioned in biblical literature, is also known to have mild psychotropic qualities because scientific research has shown that the smell of incense relieves the symptoms of depression and anxiety in the brain and uplifts the mood. The research publication also added that the findings in Telarad suggest that cannabis could also have played a role in the worship at the Temple of Jerusalem, because the shrine at Telarad is believed to match a scaled-down version of the biblical descriptions of the first temple in Jerusalem. Since the remains of the temple in Jerusalem are now inaccessible to archaeologists due to the highly sensitive religious and political situation there, Researchers instead study Tel Arad and other similar shrines in the Holy Land 
to help them understand what worship would have been like in the larger temple in Jerusalem. This research vindicated Sula Bennett's research from a century earlier, since she correctly identified the Kanebosum plant as being hemp or cannabis, and which we know from the Torah was used as an ingredient in the oil used to anoint the furniture and priests in the temple, as was described in the reading today. Recently, with the statewide legalization of cannabis, more businesses have been selling various health and wellness products which contain cannabis or cannabis oil in it. A quick internet research uh, search revealed that there's an American company called Zendi, which sells 15 milliliter bottles of what they call holy anointing oil, which is a tincture of cannabis oil, which is not psychoactive. The promotional material for this $30 CBD tincture says that the product's contents are based on the biblical recipe given to Moses by God in the 30th chapter of Exodus, which we heard earlier. And the tincture is composed of myrrh, sweet cinnamon leaf, canebosum or cannabis, cassia, which is cinnamon bark, and olive oil. Coconut oil is also added to this product, even though it's not part of the original biblical recipe. And while I imagine that the smell of this herbal tincture is quite fragrant and aromatic, it's interesting that the product description doesn't include what wellness effects and benefits it might have on a person, nor does it mention any supposed spiritual benefits to consuming this ancient biblical oil recipe nor does the product description address that the biblical recipe explicitly states that the recipe is only to be used in very specific contexts, though I suppose the drive for profit outweighs any concerns about ancient divine warnings. While cannabis use in our culture isn't necessarily associated with any specific spiritual benefits, there has been a resurgence in interest in psychedelics, and hallucinogens, whether for recreational, spiritual, or therapeutic effect. Psychedelics like psilocybin, mescaline, ayahuasca, and DMT, all of which are derived from plants, have been used ritually by the peoples of the Americas for centuries, though colonization and criminalization interrupted their uses. These plant-derived psychedelics are also called entheogens, which is a term that means a psychoactive hallucinogenic substance or preparation, especially when derived from plants or fungi and used in religious, spiritual, or ritualistic contexts. The word entheogen itself comes from the ancient Greek term entheos, which means God within or inner manifestation of the divine. While using lots of entheogens or hallucinogens in and of itself does not make a person a more spiritual person, contemporary scientists and scholars have been researching what subjective spiritual effects consuming entheogens have on human beings. In 2019, researchers from Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine published the results of their research, which sought to better understand the so-called God encounter experiences among those who uh, consume entheogens. 
According to the researchers, participants reported vivid memories of these spiritual encounter experiences, which frequently involved communication with, with something most often described as God or ultimate reality, and that their experience of God or ultimate reality had the attributes of being conscious, benevolent, intelligent, sacred, eternal, and all-knowing, which are the same traits which philosophers and theologians have attributed to God or ultimate reality for centuries. In about half of the participants, the spiritual encounter experience fulfilled deductive criteria for being a complete mystical experience. Similar to mystical type experiences, these experiences on entheogens were rated as among the most personally meaningful and spiritually significant lifetime experiences for the participants, with persisting moderate to strong positive changes in attitudes about their self, their life satisfaction, their life purpose, and their life meaning, which the participants attributed to these experiences with entheogens. Interestingly, most participants reported vivid memories of the encounter experience, and more than two-thirds of those who identified as atheist before the experience with an entheogen no longer identified as atheist afterwards. As researchers continue to explore the biological and psychological factors that may contribute to having a spiritual experience using entheogens, we will hopefully gain a deeper understanding of the religious and spiritual beliefs that have been integral to shaping human cultures since time out of mind. As the results of that research become more available, and as cultural attitudes towards entheogens change, we religious liberals will have to resolve our own conflict between our openness to new experiences new expressions and new information on the one hand, and our skepticism towards the authenticity of externally provoked spiritual experiences on the other hand. As this research continues and as we continue our own search for personally meaningful and spiritually significant experiences, may we remain grateful for the many ways that people can access a sense of the beyond in our midst. Hi, and welcome to our Getting the Message segment where we dive a little bit deeper into the themes of today's service. I am so excited to sit down with our affiliate minister, Reverend Mark. Yes. It's so good to always, anytime you're here, to get to sit down and talk with you. I enjoy our conversations too. Right? These are always yeah. fun. These are always fun. Today's topic was an interesting one. I had a little bit of fun designing a thumbnail, you know, picking out like the most psychedelic looking uh, thumbnail. Um, <laughs> So I'm curious, like, what what was the inspiration for today's message? Yeah, um, the inspiration for today's message came about from an article that I read three years ago uh, on BBC News. I have the BBC News app on my phone, and I was going through it one day, and I saw that read this article about how archaeologists 
in Israel found um, uh, were excavating a temple, a 2,700-year-old temple that had been rediscovered in the 1960s. It was buried under the sand uh, for centuries. And um, they found uh, two altars, the archaeologists, they found two altars. And because of the way the um, temple had been preserved under the desert sands for centuries, um, they were able to um, identify the materials of the burnt offerings on these two limestone altars. One of them turned out to be frankincense, which we're familiar with because it's mentioned very often in, in biblical literature, and, and people still use frankincense today to burn. But the other, temp uh, the other altar, they found that the residue of the substance on it was actually cannabis. And this was illuminating because it wasn't really known that in ancient uh, ancient Jewish temples that this might have been a practice. But come to find out, um, actually, some researchers in the early 1900s, uh, and I mentioned this in the sermon, uh, Sula Bennett was an anthropologist, a Polish anthropologist who studied here at Columbia. Um, she said that in 1936, in a lecture that she gave, that um, the word uh, in Hebrew, kanibosam, which is mentioned a few times in the Bible, um, which is often translated in our English translations as either sweet smelling cane or sweet calamus, that these are actually mistranslations and it should really be uh, translated as cannabis or hemp. And so um, these archeological discoveries uh, vindicated some of her research from hundred years ago. And I just thought that was fascinating, especially in the context that we're living in now with um, decriminalization, legalization, et cetera. And not to think about it just from a legal perspective or a sociological perspective um, or yeah, some other perspective but from a spiritual or religious right. perspective, how do we look at this? Right. Um, besides the BBC article, was there any like uh, sources that you really find yourself like uh, drawing from as you prepared this message? Yeah, I mean, there's um, a piece that I also mentioned, um, a piece of research that was done in 2019 by Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, some researchers there who are studying the use of psychedelics among uh, human participants and what spiritual um, encounters or experiences they may be happening having uh, on these. So I was drawing from that, um, as well as miscellaneous other uh, stuff online and, and books about, um, you know, the use of uh, psychedelics and, and theogens in, in worship, whether uh, ancient worship or contemporary um, indig indigenous worship uh, in our cultural context. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. No, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I have seen a few, actually, I think this week, mm -hmm. um, you know, there was someone who was, uh, I, I'm on TikTok quite a bit, mm -hmm. um, and uh, someone was talking about uh, an ego death that he had during a, during, yeah. I'm like, like, you know, just from a theological perspective, that's fascinating to like think about. And yes, um, this other person who um, uh, does a lot of like outdoor hiking and stuff, but who uses like um, mushrooms in a, mm -hmm. like a therapeutical um, setting and, you know, like, a, like, from this, from the spiritual work that I do, I'm just like this is like really fascinating to, yeah. to think about. And it was strange that all these maybe maybe TikTok was reading my emails, you know, that you sent about like the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Suddenly <laughs> presented you with these uh, videos. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, no people. I mean, and people have all sorts of experiences. You know, I was uh, I, I joked to you before the service started yeah. that yeah, um, you know, like you know, I, I was raised in a conservative setting, and there was lots of reasons that I was told not to to ever smoke weed, mm -hmm. but my biggest reason was that I was very deeply closeted and I worried that um, I would not have enough of a filter if I did any sort of drugs when I was younger. Yeah, you'd be disinhibited and, and might share a, a secret mm -hmm. truth that, that 
wasn't meant to be revealed. Right. What? Yeah. You know, I suppose there's some religious aspect to that. Mm -hmm. Perhaps, perhaps, and and I think that it's that's why I think it's important for us to talk about this and think about it because you know as I was clear in my sermon, I'm not saying that people who use lots of hallucinogens are like more spiritual right. people, and I'm not saying that this is permission like for everyone to go out there and and just uh, use different right. things. You know, that's not really the point. Um, as much as that, you know, especially for us as religious liberals we have this kind of tension that really is unresolved because on the one hand, we're open to new experiences and right. new information and new knowledge. And, you know, we read these research studies and we hear about people's experiences anecdotally, and maybe we have our own experiences. And so that's one piece of knowledge that we're open to. On the other hand, we also are very skeptical, you know, rightly so, that we don't just accept, you know, what we hear or what we read, that we have to think about and investigate it. And, you know, if, if someone, truth be told, like if someone gave a sermon here and said, well, um, uh, I had an experience of ultimate reality while in psychedelics and, and the spirit told me that dot, 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 people might be very um, skeptical of that and questioning, well, what does that mean? And how do you know that it was God you were talking to? Or how do you know that it was an experience of God? And maybe it was just a biochemical reaction in your brain uh, that is not corresponding with some external reality. So there's an openness and a skepticism right. that we have as religious liberals at the same time. And it, um, we haven't really resolved that around mm -hmm. this topic. So that's why I present it to the congregation for people to think about uh, if there is a kind of a way we can resolve this tension. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us a, you know, a, a thoroughly interesting topic to be thinking about for this week. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Mm -hmm.